Our friends' hopes and dreams are etched into its body, transforming the infinite darkness into light. Unmatched in heaven and earth, one machine equal to the gods! Super Galaxy Gurren Logan! Now we're gonna show you... Human... Welcome to Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. And for once, Josh, will you please use words we can all understand? <laughs> and he can manipulate probability. It's Andy. I don't grade on a curve, though. <laughs> I was going to say because you win shit all the time. Oh, that's actually true. That is, I do have a weird uncanny ability at winning shit. And it's felt like I've been in a thousand year doldrum. I'm Bill. Oh, that you know what, Bill? That's just because we've been reviewing Gurren Lagann for what feels like 87 years. Yeah, I know so. exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what the problem is. Hey, you know, uh, good news, though. We're rounding the bend. We're just about done. It's getting close. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. <laughs> we are here to make that finish line. We're, it was off in the distance. We see it. We have been running this marathon and there isn't even a nice cold beer at the end. Just a bunch of weird fucking shit. But before we get to that, we gotta talk about episode 26 of Gurren Lagann, which is titled what, Josh? Let's go, buddy! Alright. Um, before we go, though, uh, I do want to jump into maybe a little bit of nerd news, perhaps. Uh, so, do either of you have anything nerd news related? Because I do! Um, oh, I mean, are we going to talk about E3? That's what I want to talk about, baby. So E3 just wrapped up. Devil um, May Cry week. 5, your argument is invalid. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Actually, I do want to talk about more about that and other stuff as well, but go ahead. There's a lot to E3 this year. Um, it was definitely an E3 of video games rather than consoles and such. There were a lot of games that stood out, um, but only two that I really want to just quickly talk about because I don't want to drag out this too much. If you're interested in finding out some of my thoughts, I have written a couple of articles. I planned on writing more uh, for the Questionable Endeavor Network website at questnnetwork.com, but this last week was long and difficult. So, But I do want to talk about uh, Fallout 76 to get started it was released a couple of weeks ago in a really really weird live stream on twitch from bethesda where there Mm -hmm. was a fallout guy 
like just sitting there with like a screen that said please wait and like for 24 hours just employees of Bethesda would like randomly wander into the stream and just do random shit and then at one point the little uh fallout guy was laid down with a little blanket to sleep at night when the lights were turned off uh and then eventually the next day they showed the the first trailer for Fallout 76 well at E3 at the Bethesda conference we got more about it and Fallout 76 is going to be an online multiplayer not massively multiplayer. This isn't going to be like World of Warcraft um, because you're going to be populated in a world with maybe dozens rather than thousands of people. So so smaller groups, but you're going to be possibly working and or fighting against each other in the wasteland. What's what's the uh, what's the area that the game is going to be set in this time? Uh, it's going to be in West Virginia. What's really cool about it is they have said that the map size is four times the size of Fallout 4, uh, which means that even if you are hesitant about online games, the odds of you running into other players is going to be kind of low, I'd imagine, uh, since the map is so big. Not nearly as low like uh, in No Man's Sky. Uh, when no they Man's first Sky. About yeah, that. well, when I, No Man's Sky first came out, that was a lie. But anyway, um, <laughs> now I'm kind of excited for Fallout 76. Um, you know, we this could be our rad dudes uh, segment here on on the Sydney Japanese podcast. Rad dudes. I, I know that Bill is not all that excited, and that makes me sad because the one thing that I've wanted to do with video games with Bill aside from play a way out with him is to play fallout with him. So, right. Um, Bill, do you want to talk a little bit about why you're not as jazzed about fallout 76? Uh, I mean, it's all the reasons everybody else is jazzed, I suppose. Um, I don't like multiplayer games. I don't, I played world of Warcraft for a while. I made it to uh, max level, which at the time I think was 70 pretty much 95% by myself. Mm -hmm. The few times I talked to people in WoW that were people I didn't directly know in person were terrible experiences. (laughs) I played one single match of League of Legends before I walked away from that shit. Yeah, I don't want some ass knuckle to come in and ruin my play experience by just being another person. See, now... I'm on the other side of that because I would love to run around in a Fallout game with you and Josh and Thurk, do quests together and build a giant like society together. Because like the the story of this game is that it's it's set the earliest in any of the Fallout games that have been released so far, and the idea is it's not just exploration and questing, but it's rebuilding. And, you know, hmm. fleshing out that idea of, you know, the, the building system for Fallout 4, which I really, really loved. Um, so I, I just love the idea, the concept of us playing that together. And then, you know, then we could be the assholes at some point once we get high enough. And we could find those detonation codes and we could launch, you know, a nuke at some asshat that we do run into that's being a douche. Yeah, it, but see, those those codes pretty much sealed the deal for me right there. I mean, that that points out... Hey, here's a way for you and your buddies to ruin somebody else's experience. Right. Now, that said, as far as I understand, the the building aspects are going to be taken from game to game. So, essentially, it's kind of like what are those things called the the Garden of Eden sort of thing, but it's like, you know, you get this like 
Gek. Basically station that builds your stuff, and then when you leave a game, you just open it up again, and everything you've built just appears. You're talking about the uh, the Gek, Garden of Eden... Uh, what was the rest of the uh, uh, acronym building, remember? I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, it's essentially every vault had one. Um, it was essentially a way to get everything back up and running without, um, you know, like water for water purification and uh, uncontaminated uh, seeds for germination and that sort of thing. It was it was a way to pretty much kickstart an environment. Yeah, it, it played. It didn't play as big of a role early at all in Fallout Four. It was more a Fallout One and Two sort of thing, and Three as well. But I don't know. I I'm I'm jazzed. I want to try it. I'm not saying that like I will probably end up loving it as much as I did Fallout Four. But I do want to try it, but I'm only going to try it if I have people that I know I want to play with. So, so I don't know. I, this is my 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 goal is to try to to sell Bill on this at some point before between now and when it launches later this year. So, so is Thirk's goal apparently. It would be so much fun. I I suspect you two just have a bet. <laughs> probably true. Probably we, we we may or may not have already worked that out. I'm not gonna try. Okay, I tried it with Borderlands for Bill, and he he didn't grok it. So I'm just I'm gonna sit back now. What system are you guys looking to do? Are we gonna do PlayStation or are we gonna do uh, PC? Because I wouldn't mind uh, being able to pick it up. I just want to know what to play with you guys with. I'll, I'll admit Fallout Four kind of soured on me pretty fast, but if I were to play with you guys, I might re- enjoy it again. Well, I would want to do PC. I don't have PlayStation Plus. I have no desire to get PlayStation Plus. That's okay. another down for me, too. So I, I would just play oh, it on PC. No, I get it. I get it. On my end, I'm. it's interesting, but I, I think for the reasons that Bill was, was uh, touting off, I mean, there are some strong arguments against. And coming from the Overwatch community, like you and I have, Andrew, mm-hmm. it, we both know how bad toxicity can be and how it's it become can be. a... Absolutely, it can be. Yeah. But that's just one of the games. There are a lot of games shown. And the other game I just want to talk about and touch upon very, very quickly is uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate was revealed. Now, Super Smash Brothers okay. was already in the works. They knew that one was coming to the Switch. It was revealed at a Nintendo Direct back in, I think, February? Um, but there was a lot of hype going into E3 about what was it actually going to look like. And... Sakurai, the guy who makes the game, my god, like, he just puts everything into these games. Um, Mm -hmm. This time around, you literally have every single fighter who has ever been in a Super Smash Brothers game in the past, the last four games, will be playable in this game. Uh, As well as a shit ton of all of the maps um, and a lot of the, the old modes. Um, as well as the addition of the Inklings from Splatoon, and um, this might mean a lot more to Josh. It does Bill Ridley from Metroid. Really, they're they're putting Ridley, and he was a boss yes. in the second to last game. Yeah, right. Yeah, he was in he was in some of the, he's been a lot of the games, but but he, but not playable. Not he's always playable. Been kind yes, of, uh, um, he's been a lot of the, the Metroid games, obviously. But yeah, he's he's finally pl- a playable character uh, in Smash Brothers. So pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, that's that sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. I mean, I actually wouldn't mind playing Ridley because he's a giant lizard dragon thing. So that's gonna be kind of interesting to incorporate. Now, granted, I'm not a, a Nintendo player. I don't have a Switch. So, but getting... I have a Switch, and we could play together. Well, yeah, or I, you know, you can always invite us to come over sometime, and we can, you know, play then. No one ever comes comes over to my house. But anywho, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, I. I 
Smash Brothers Ultimate is is really cool. That's coming out in December, which means that that's going to sell a hell of a lot more Switches, uh, yeah. which is awesome for Nintendo, and that means we have a lot of time to see if there's any other characters that get revealed. I'm expecting something from ARMS, probably maybe Springman or Ribbon Girl, uh, maybe Twintel, one of those three characters. Um, sure. You know, there's, there's a lot of options for other series. Uh, a lot of people are pissed off uh, because Waluigi's not in the game still. Um, you would think that that's not a character that people would care that much about, but apparently Waluigi has gotten all of the love lately. Um, there's a lot of really pissed off fanboys, um, but fuck them. Uh, it is going to be a really <laughs> great game. So that's my nerd news. I've talked too long about it. Um, do either of you have anything else to add for nerd news? Well, I, I do, do want to add one more thing from E3, and um, it's about Capcom. They're revealed this year. They're really riding high on a lot of uh, nostalgia. Oh, you got yeah. Devil May Cry 5 coming out, which no one knew if for sure they were going to come ba- go back to classic Devil May Cry. Uh, but then you also have a remaster of Resident Evil 2. That I may actually buy. Mega Man 11, which yes. I'm big on. Mega Man X Legacy Collections 1 and 2, so we're going to get all the Mega, uh, Mega Man X games mm-hmm. uh, coming out. Uh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Edition, uh, which, uh, once again, it's got all the classic games. They're riding really high on, on the nostalgia, and also the the, uh, the joint venture with them and Square Enix, uh, utilizing the Rathalos for Final Fantasy 15. Or yeah. 14, I'm sorry. And then them taking the behemoth from Final Fantasy 14 and placing it as a as a huntable monster in Monster Hunter World. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that's kind of well. cool. I like it when uh, when different gaming companies do that where they can like mm-hmm. borrow each other's sort of stuff and and, and like lend it. So um, right. we saw that with Ubi, Ubisoft when they did uh, Rabbids plus Mario. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Sure. I mean, and I, I love the idea. Don't get me wrong. And I'm loving that Capcom can't, had a strong showing this year. But man, I was kind of hoping that they had something new. You know, they, they haven't had a brand new series in a, in a long while. And I'm really, really hoping that they're going to, you know, in the next couple of years. I mean, it's great to see them still swinging and they can't because a lot of people were thinking they were kind of done mm-hmm. until Monster Hunter World came out. Oh, yeah. Then there's Monster Hunter Ultimate. Uh, for the Switch that's coming out as well. Yeah. But when Monster Hunter World came out earlier this year, it seemed like to be a huge revitalization for Capcom in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm glad to see them back. And then Bill will want to play Spider-Man because I saw some gameplay of that from E3, and that's looking really fucking badass. That does seem like uh, a callback to Spider-Man 2, which was awesome. And uh, kind of the Arkham games too, which were yeah, awesome. Very much so. Um, so yeah, that might be something I actually care about playing. Yeah, they were, they did a reveal trailer at on so, at Sony's press conference and uh, another trailer rather, and they showed us this big scene where you're fighting Electro and Vulture and Rhino and oh god, there's someone else, Mister Negative. Well, Mister Negative, but there's someone else on, on top of that too. But you're fighting them all like essentially at the same time in the same level. It's essentially they're they're five of a of a new Sinister Six. Yeah. It's nice. pretty crazy. It looked sick. I mean, it looked awesome. Yeah, that might be one I care about playing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely be down for that as well. So, I mean, yeah, nothing else. Uh, unfortunately, Gearbox did not come out and do any Borderlands 3 announcements, but people were kind of hoping they would. But maybe we're going to get something, maybe Tokyo Game Show or something. Yeah, maybe they, they might be working on it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Bill, are. Bill, I, it's time for you. My friend, if you have any nerd news, share it with the class, please. Well, uh, do I have permission to be a downer? 
Oh, I okay. mean, if you want. Well, it turns out that uh, Chris Hardwick's also a piece of shit now. No, don't do this to me. What? Yep. Yes, yep. I saw the article. No, uh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Was it the one that Tappy posted? Uh, yes, actually it was. Oh, no, oh, what, I, no, I love him so much. What did he do? Why do I have to hate him now? Uh, well, his ex-girlfriend, who apparently was like two decades his senior, uh, his uh, junior. Oh. Uh, Chloe um, Sendek, I think so. Dykstra, name? I think was her Dykstra, name. yes. Chloe um, Dykstra. I just remember that because of the wrestler that was in the Spirit Squad. Kenny Dykstra. Ah. <laughs> I guess she was saying that uh, he was very manipulative and emotionally abusive and somewhat sexually abusive to her. Oh, no. Um, I'll send you the article uh, so you can read the full details if you care. But uh, um, Yeah, she never out in called Hardwick's name out in the article that I, when I read. You're right. Um, she never actually says it in the article, but I think, but I mean, writers of the Nerdist have basically been left and right coming out being like, yeah, I'm not working for them. I'm not writing for them. Fuck that guy. It's right. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a real, uh, much of a secret, but yeah, yeah. She, she didn't actually say that, but, but I don't think it was a secret about uh, Chloe Dykstra being his uh, girlfriend after it became kind of a um, semi-public knowledge. But yeah, it's a really dark, uh, dark and downer uh, article, but uh, well worth the read. And I would have thought he was one of the, the better guys in entertainment, but you I was apparently know. wrong as fuck. Yeah, you yeah. never know about people. Um, they put on... They are performers. So. Well, they even say that in the article that, you know, it, that's kind of what abusers do. They put on a good public face and make everybody think they're awesome. And, mm-hmm. you know, behind the scenes, they're terrible. So uh, any other nerd news from anyone before you head into the review? I feel like we should probably get into the review here soon. I yeah. think we are primed and ready to go. All right, Josh, it's your week. All right. Episode 26 of the Academy Award winning Gurren Lagann. Uh, I think that's, that's canon, right? All right. So we open with the recap of Keton sacrifice, you know, to let team die Gurren escape this, uh, the sea of space. Yeah. That was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Good old, good old spacey. We get, you know, that sad moment last episode. <sighs> Rest in peace, my friend. But we see the emergence of now what is now christened super galaxy Gurren Logon. And it immediately begins attacking the anti-spiral ships by pretty much clawing the smallest face on the face ships. And uh, with their drilled fingertips, even it, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> I, this is this whole battle is kind of just unique. I mean, yeah. we, we'll get even more unique next week, right. but it's mm-hmm. it's something. Yeah. yeah, but we we hop to the title card. The uh, anti-spirals uh, begin, uh, uh, you know, their a- counterattack by using their once daily breath weapons and then hurling p- planets at Super Galaxy Gurren Lagon. Is that their lair action? I would say yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I-, I love the animation of how the arms like unfurl out and then grab the planets and just start throwing it. It's really ca- kind of very smooth, but also strangely inhuman or alien looking with that design. So, hey, Bill. Yes. You're our science expert. Okay. <laughs> if not, I mean, you are now. Because um, I don't. I think I remember photosynthesis, and that's like the only science term I know. I, I, I don't claim to be a science expert, but yes, I think here, um, <laughs> that, that stands the reason. Okay. So, uh, 
let's say you're this crazy anti-spiral thing, and you can you with how gravity works and a size and like the size of planets and things like that, could someone could something theoretically pick up a planet and throw it in space? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it had to be bigger than a planet. Gravity is generated by mass, so a creature with exponentially more mass than the planet could probably throw a planet. I mean, ultimately, the mass of the sun is sort of throwing our planets, hanging on to our planets while they travel through space. So if something that big, you know, cared enough to actually grab the piece of dirt and whip it, yeah. Okay, just curious. It just seemed like a, like that, I just have problems with a lot of the, 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 the situational things that are part of this battle, but anywho. I don't think this is a straight one-to-one sort of thing, but uh, but yeah, I mean, in theory, a big enough creature, yes. Now, now let's uh, also just remember too, Andrew, uh, where they are located in this battle is still that pocket dimension, uh, that, an alternate universe that the anti-spirals created for the purposes of evading everyone. So it is that universe that pretty much they could, if they decide they can do it, they can do it. <sighs> okay. A world of pure imagination. <gasps> That's so magical. Willy Wonka's the anti-spiral. <laughs> Confirmed. Uh, that scary t- tunnel for sure. Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying. Hachi machi. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but the, uh, yes, hurling the planets and the breath weapons don't seem to be affecting, uh, super galaxy Gurren Lagann because they have a spiral energy shield that's protecting them. Pretty simplistic. Uh, we get a little bit more combat where we see, uh, pretty much another big boomerang attack on the, uh, on one of the face ships kind of skewering it a bit. The anti-spirals fire back with some missiles and like Simon does a classic blunder immediately starts mocking them, saying, those little things aren't going to affect us. Yeah, you don't do that. A couple of Josh's girlfriends have made that mistake. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. You are a bastard. (laughs) I know. But anyway, the missiles do get stopped, but the blasts seem to bleed through, and we find out that the missiles can negate probability. Okay, so... So, at first, I'll, let me let me walk you through the play by play of my emotions during this moment. I I, I want to know. I want to know how you were feeling uh, through this. Buddy. So at first, they say, "Oh no! Like, how did it get through? There's no possible way." And then I think it's Lord Genome that that makes this clear because that's what Lord Genome do in this like second half. Lord Genome just yeah, he's just the essentially expert. an arbiter of like real like of the voice of the creators going. Um, this is going to make no sense. We better explain this. He's the pseudoscientist, uh, putting on a lecture. So he says this. I mean, in universe, he is a scientist. And I go through so many emotions in the course of 15 seconds. At first, I'm like, this is utter bullshit. I'm done. And I was ready to just pause and just not. I wasn't going to be able to do it today. Then I said, then I thought, that's actually kind of cool. Like, like missiles that can 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 like just get rid of probability like that's so neat then i'm like how would that work and then i'm like you know what fuck it just fuck it i'm just gonna watch it and that's that's kind of how it went i wouldn't be lying if that wasn't similar to how i approached uh the fight the watching this for the first time too i'm like what the fuck okay 
that's kind of cool. Okay, whatever. I'll, I'll so, just I'll anger, bargaining, and acceptance. Yeah, yeah. Which one did I skip? Um, denial. Yeah. I don't remember all seven stages. <laughs> but you definitely hit a couple of them. I think death. I think uh, not crowd on is one that, of them. That's not what, death. <laughs> death is not a stage of grief. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, I mean, if it is, you did it wrong. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! That's so sad. Um, but there is a great quote that I do like, and it's uh, and it's from Dari about the uh, probability manipulation. She says, and she says they can manipulate probability, but I thought that was God's domain. There's a lot of heavy-handed, like God-esque discussion going yeah. on in these two episodes. Yeah. So. Uh, the anti-spirals, though, do decide to shift tactics, and instead of throwing uh, planets and uh, using weapons that negate probability that could have probably destroyed the ship if they kept using it, they switch to a far more devious tactic. Facts. I'm sorry, what? I don't remember this. I don't either. They uh, decide to let uh, everyone know that... Using spiral energy is the doom of the universe. Essentially, what would have happened is that oh, yeah. overuse of spiral energy will eventually, uh, from the constant growth and growth and growth and growth, will eventually create a black hole that will devour the entire universe. Yeah, but they don't know that. Well, Simone does. And I don't think Simone even knows that. I, th- I think that's just the anti-spirals being sissies. But the thing is... Simone reacts as he doesn't want to buy it, but he's believing it. Well, Simone's kind of dumb. But Lord Genome even says that because Simone is someone who uses a lot of spiral energy, he's intuitively knowing that that is true. That it's essentially you just keep building on top of keep building on top of an old foundation. It's going to fall over and destroy everything. So, who's the better villain? Is it? Is is it uh, Thanos or is it the anti-spiral? Is that a dong? <laughs> I made it out of this thinking putty. But anyway, carry on. Um, it's an excellent question. Are we talking? Are we talking? Wait a minute. Are we talking classic comics Thanos or MCU Thanos? Uh, MCU, but I'm just talking motivation. Who's got the better wait, wait, motivation wait. here? Because like they have a very similar motivation. Wait, what do you mean by villain? <laughs> um, Bill, um, I hate to break. That was it to the you. feel-good movie of the year. I hate, to, I hate to break it to you, Bill, but Thanos was the bad guy in that film. Then why did he win? Because and why was he right? It's not over yet. Because it's the Empire Strikes Back for the MCU, Bill. But he was right. But it's better than Star Wars. Uh, it is better than Star Wars, and he was right. Thanos was totally right. Wrong, but he was. Com- he was. Wrong for the right reasons. But here's a better question. Was the anti-spiral right? The ends didn't justify the means. We don't know that the... I still don't buy that the anti-spiral are necessarily telling the truth. Or that they're... That it's any more than their theory. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. I it's, it's one of those things where it's like... We don't really know. We never will know exactly. Um, but yeah, no. It, it, it is cool that... I like this part where he... Where he, it, whatever it is, this, this anti-spiral power, basically is like, yeah, we have to do this, so step down, bitches. Well, and uh, a pep talk from the future father-in-law in a jar uh, do, uh, does get Simo motivated because he once again points out, well, Nia's holding on so that way we can save her and the rest of the universe. 
So, uh, chop, chop, kiddo. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And, uh, you know, that snaps uh, Simo back in. He actually uh, comes up with a really great quote that I think uh, sums up your point really well, which is, I don't want to regret doing nothing because of a tomorrow that might never come. Yeah, I like that quote a lot. I, I was really a big fan of that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd sit there and worry for what ifs and uh, what could be's and instead just kind of go. I think it, it was fantastic. So, yeah, he goes into attack and the anti-spirals uh, decide to, hi- or the face ships, I should say, decide to hide in probability. Because those are words that go together. <laughs> so they decide in order to get the anti-spirals, they're going to need to attack all probability. <laughs> Actually, it was kind of funny because Ottenborough is the one who makes the uh, the announcement. It's like, let's just get him. And Lord Genome's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, Ottenborough gets a moment here, which is kind of nice that he gets a moment. Lord Genome sets up uh, pretty much cannons that will hit yesterday and today and tomorrow and five seconds ago, all of probability. So Ottenborough, Yoko, Gimme and Dari all take shots and they flush out the, the face ships. At which point, Simon decides, okay, done fucking around, and hits him with a double-decker Giga Drill Break, which completely wipes out the face ships. It's, uh, he learned that one in, Brit- in Britain, right? Right. Okay. The anti-spirals are prepared, and they decide to unleash their next most fiendish attack ever. They use 1970s trippy effects, or something that you would see in a Pink Floyd music video, to transport everyone... To the break card. <gasps> Already? Welcome to the break card. This is Andy, and I want to thank you once again for tuning in to an episode of Tuning Japanese. Apologies, first and foremost, for a couple of things. Number one, we are recording remotely. I don't believe we said that at the beginning of this one. So there may be a few moments of audio that are not quite up to par for our normal show. Second apology for missing the last couple of weeks. We've had a rough time, number one, just getting together to record, and number two, with some things going on in our own lives. I know I was taking a four-week college class that is taking essentially 16 weeks worth of stuff and cramming it into four. So I had to spend pretty much every morning, afternoon, moment I had reading, writing, working on stuff. And then Josh had an unfortunate death in the family, which prevented him, obviously, from being around from recording for a little bit. But we are back, and we have one just one more episode left, guys. Uh, next week, we release our final episode. It'll be a little bit of a longer episode as we're going to combine our review alongside of our thoughts of Gurren Lagann overall. You definitely want to pay attention for next week because we're also going to reveal what series that we are going to do next. We've finished three seasons now. This will be my pick, so I've got the power again. You can find out what I'm going to choose that we are going to review next by listening and tuning in to the end of next week's episode. If you want a little bit of a sneak preview, however... I'm going to be posting, probably within the next couple of days, a Patreon-only update that is going to let you, the fans, if you donate at least $1 to our Patreon, to find out what our next review will be early. So check that out if you're a patron uh, at patreon.com slash tuningjapanese. It is the best way to help support the show in a monetary way, so we would really appreciate if you could donate to help us make this the best possible show that it can be. So coming up, we do have, obviously, the final review of Gurren Lagann, as well as getting ready for our next 
review in season four. We have a few other little surprises coming up as well. One of the things that we're going to be working on and recording here soon. Ray and I, if you remember our episodes of our first bonus season when we reviewed episodes of Pokemon Generations, we're going to actually review the first Pokemon movie. Yes, Pokemon the first movie, including you know Mew and Mewtwo and it uh it's it's something so we're gonna review and uh release that pretty soon as well head over to the questionable endeavor network at questnnetwork.com for podcasts articles and more and we'll take you right now to a quick commercial for another podcast on the network and back to our review of gurren lagan hey Atta, do you like anime i do like anime what about you i love it well if you love it so much why don't you marry it you piece of shit we kind of did marry it we did by making a podcast it ain't a healthy marriage it controls our lives and that podcast is the reanimator pod that's r-e-animator pod and you can hear new episodes every monday and here's a little taste it's alice in wonderland meets inception with an acid infused edm rave twist I like it. Is what I wish I could say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, the I shot my load too early there. <laughs> Hotro then asked Yuma, are you turned on? Not in that deep a register, but that's what she asked her. Are you turned on? Turned on yet? Well, guys, are you turned on yet? If not, I'll keep going. All right. Today, we are going to start. <laughs> well, I, I We're going to start snoozing. I tried to make a dramatic pause. Hey, we're back from the break card. Yeah. And we come back to the opening scene of the series. You, you won't know, let us one... go to the break card anymore with you, will you? I felt violated the last time I took you to the break card. Like you defiled the sacred farting ground. And <laughs> I, I, just, I just, I could not handle that. It's, I, I take my farting very seriously. <laughs> you don't like it when somebody else sits on your couch? You and yeah. pooping Merrill. I, I hate it when someone farts on my couch. It's gross. It's my couch. <laughs> Only I fart there. <laughs> yes, me but and we pooping did... Merrill. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, well, we come back to the very first scene of the very first episode. You know, where you see Simone digging through the, his little tunnel, talking about how he's a digger and that's all he does. We've gone back to the beginning, guys. Oh, it's come full circle. Oh, yes. But doesn't this lead to something where kind of weird? Yeah. It, yeah, it's, I was totally lost with this. It's Simon the Digger breaking into a jewelry store with his partner in crime, Kamina. Okay, so when this was going on, I was completely confused because I was watching this going, is, is is this how the world's, this is before, this is how they got put in like this weird underground place? Is it, are they like in a jail? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? I was so confused, but I'm like, no, because the surface world shouldn't have existed. This is just a weird mindfuck, and I really like it. I was so lost, and I still am, basically. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, they, they decide that they're going to live like bandit kings. They're going to steal from the capital while uh, drilling up from underneath, because apparently in this universe, humanity is uh, is oppressed and underground while the um, beastmen are on top of them, on the surface. So With the jewelry stores. Mm-hmm. But now we cut to a bunch of television moments, uh, different TV shows, and we find out that... Well, we're in another universe. There's a frog beastman who's um, on a crime spree who gets uh, who busts into the home 
of the two students from the uh, uh, episode about Yoko. Yes. Who who comes in and says, I want money and some food, too. Yeah, and then out of nowhere comes the crime fighter. The mysterious Yoko Littner. Yeah, you know, it shouldn't be mysterious when it's her real first and last name. You can right? look that shit up, right? Like, there's got to be public records in this world, I imagine. <laughs> Beast men don't use phone books. <laughs> I guess exactly. Not. Oh, oh, one thing I do want to point out: when they were in the jewelry store uh, in the uh, in the other reality for Simon, uh, did you notice that they had a, on a display case? You saw uh, Kamina's old glasses and uh, Yoko's skull hair clips were were kind of on a display. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, if you go back, uh, it's it's a really quick. It's like maybe five or six seconds, mm-hmm. but there is a a, uh, a sustained shot of that. Oh, cool! I'll have to go back and look at that. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty nifty. Back on the bridge, uh, Lord Genome is observing that everyone's in kind of a trance like state, and Buddha shows up, and they're just kind of sitting there going like, "What the fuck?" When the Annie Spiral just shows up to have a chat. Is this when we finally see the anti-spiral? Yes, this Can is actually the first time we see it. talk about the fucking worst art style that I've seen in this entire anime? I absolutely hate the design of the anti-spiral. Hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. And I want to know your thoughts. I don't disagree with your logic there, but think about what we've seen so far with the anti-spirals. Every type of art decision that's been done has been to portray this otherworldly thing. And if it's something that you're going to hate, wouldn't it be in an art style that is displeasing? Okay, granted. But if it is supposed to be completely otherworldly, don't make it human-like in any shape or form. Don't give it the same shape and body of a human, Um, you know... You have all the possible creativity at your disposal here to make this crazy build up to see what these things actually look like. And this is it, especially when you compare like the weird CGI shit that they've been doing. Make some huge CGI face or talking hand. I don't care. This was terrible. Bill, what do you think of the anti-spiral visually? I think maybe, I mean, ultimately you're right. I dislike it immensely. I wonder if they were trying to uh, tap into the Uncanny Valley, you know, making something that's close to human but off just enough to kind of trigger your loathing or hatred or fear or whatever they're trying to trigger from you. Maybe. And that might be giving them too much credit. It might just be an ugly design. Yeah, it could have been there. They have two episodes left. We don't want to have to animate something crazy like Aura. Oh, we never thought we'd actually have to see someone who's actual embodiment of the anti-spiral. Uh, let's just throw some squiggles together. I like that I hate it. I hate that I hate it. Fair enough. I didn't care that much either way, but okay. it's kind of ugly. Fair. There's a little bit of a banter between uh, Lord Genome's head and the anti-spiral. Pretty much, the anti-spiral's like pretty much gloating at his fallen enemy going, Ah, look at you. You were turned into a computer because your enemies are really fucked up. I mean, that's kind of a fucked up thing to do. Yeah. And so, you know, they pretty much get down to the point of, you're just here to kill me, right? And goes, yeah, sure, I'll kill you. Goes to shoot him, and Buddha jumps in and uses his spiral energy. Now, stay with me here. Uses his spiral uh... energy and Lord Genome's knowledge of use of spiral energy 
kind of combine to create a she- uh, barrier that protects them. Uh, this is my least favorite part of the whole episode. But wait, Andrew. Did you notice when Buddha was giving off the spiral energy, it was coming from his tail, which was a, a spiral? Yeah, it went up his butt, essentially. It was cute. Come on, that was cute. No, okay, yes, but this next part, what the holy fuck? Okay. No, I get it, because uh, how, does, how does the line work in the original Pokemon when, when you have somebody evolve? You gotta catch how them does... all. <laughs> That's not it. Uh, I know one. Uh, Digivolution. I, I, I believe it is What? Pidgey is evolving. Yes, thank you. What? Buta is evolving. But why? There's no purpose. No explanation, really. You're going to give me an explanation. It won't make sense. It serves no purpose, aside from getting Buddha out of the equation when Buddha was not even a threat to begin with. And then in the next episode, he just goes back to being Buddha with no explanation. The closest thing that I can figure is that Buddha had a desire to protect Simone from the Annie Spiral. Combined with Lord Jim Genome's knowledge of uh, Spiral Energy and what he had in store, he instead used what, what he was storing that would have allowed him to grow and age. He converted it into evolutionary energy so that he could attain a human form to fight the Annie Spiral. Now, the anti-spiral does reveal that the reason why he was on the ship to begin with was that he had noticed the anomaly that was Buddha's spiral energy, came on to investigate it when Buddha evolved himself into a humanoid form that was actually playing into the anti-spiral because what does he do? He trips him out into a uh, alternate uh, reality. That was a lot of explanation. That, That meant nothing. I will buy that Buddha wanted to save Simone. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole means of it having helping him evolve was bullshit, but I will buy that, which helps me not hate it as much. Right, right. The so, power of love made him a real boy. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, but speaking of Simone and Kamina, they're caught by the fuzz in their alternate universe, and... Did you explain how they're in that alternate universe yet? Uh, the anti-spiral explains it that they're caught in a reality that they can that creates itself when they perceive it. Yeah. So the idea of we are altering your perception to put you into an alternate universe in your mind that is to you real because you're seeing it. Seeing is believing. I like that. I, I, I like this part of it. I like the fact that he has trapped them. Although it is confusing because later Lord Genome is in a dream. And he's not trapped under this power, but well, they they do trap him and Buta, um, and then do the classic villain blunder of, okay, you're all trapped. Uh, I'm gonna just walk away and assume you died. I have a sandwich waiting for me. Goodbye. But yeah, no, I thought that was cool. I thought that yeah. was a really neat thing because each of those characters then has is like in their own sort of like happy place. <laughs> like I think Viral might be the only one flexible enough to do that. Oh, God. God damn it. Lord Gino doesn't even have one anymore. (laughs) Yet. Yet. Spoilers. We'll get there. So, uh, but yes, we go back to the reality that Simone's in. They've, him and his Kamina have been captured by the Fuzz. And we see something that we have never seen before. Kamina begging for his life. I mean, groveling on his knees. 
Yeah, that was like, that was weird to see. It, it leads into an interesting scene mm-hmm. because you're going to see Kamina again in the same scene. Right. But Andrew, guess guess who came back for, for a brief cameo? Uh, is it Excel? No, it's Dead-Eyed Simone. Oh, no. I was hoping it would be Fat Samurai. Yeah, unfortunately, if you actually look at Simone's eyes during the groveling bits, it, it's the dead eyes that you saw. Yeah, after. I did notice that. I was trying to ignore the fact that he went back to dead-eyed. I'm thinking it's a callback to he's realizing something's wrong and it's kind of throwing him off. Yeah, or, I mean, they just have that animation. They've already drawn it. They're like, mm, this looks like something that he could also look like in this circumstance as well. Luckily, behind him, sitting on pretty much Nia's sarcophagus, is... is the original Kamina, who, in typical fashion, starts monologuing Simone until he gets his senses back. Yeah, which I love. I love that scene. I like uh, him, you know, talking sense into him. I like Simone's confusion because, again, he's in this weird, magical sort of state of mind that's fucking mm-hmm. with his perception. He's like, how could there be two of you? And the other Kamina grabs him and pulls him down to make him grovel too. And it's just, that whole scene is really cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really great. He, he eventually, you know, makes his choices. He goes, no, I like this guy better. I remember who I am. Oh, look, here's my core drill. I opened everything up. Here's a reference to the other guys that died. Um, and I'm grown up now. And I love the conversation that's between adult Simone and uh, Kamina and Kamina even goes, wait, you got taller than me. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? I was like, that that kind of got me rolling on that. That was good. That was a good line. I like that yeah. a lot. But uh, Simone's able to take the, probabil- the probable realities around him and is able to become a shooting star and leave. I didn't understand that part, but okay, sure. He flies off into the sky and then everyone else, like in their dreams, are like, hey, look, a star. And then they, fall, right. and they turn into stars. And it's just really weird. Right, and I do want to kind of point out each of the individual uh, realities that we see. Yeah, First, we see that. Yoko and, you know, doing the, the bounty hunter thing and a couple other probabilities, even one where she's married to Keaton, which is kind of cool. And then she turns off the TV. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a, a series of television images. Right, right. She turns off the TV and is talking to Kamina. And did you notice where they were at when she's talking to Kamina? When, you know, it's Yoko because she's back in her skimpy ass outfit. No, they were at the volc- uh, um in front of the volcano where they had their kiss. Oh, okay. She realizes who she is and she goes off. Uh, then we cut to Dayaka, Gimme, and Dari being bakers, who see the uh, shooting star and they decide to uh, go and uh, join Simone again. And they're in a We've shared got- reality, which is weird. Like that seems yeah. weird that they're like linked. We've got Leita and Lord Genome as teacher and principal at a school. I'm sure there's some interesting slash fic that right. uh, handles that, so we won't go there. Leron, Ottenborough, and the Nameless Helmsman, the one that we see every now and then with the, the big mustache. Oh, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. never got his name. They look like they are guys working on, on power lines, and, you know, they see it and they go. And then we've got the guy and the girl who are also on the bridge. Apparently, they've been having the sex. Did I miss that one? I don't remember that one. I don't either. It's the two with the uh, with the glasses, uh, the pink haired girl, and then the the kind of geeky looking guy that were that you would see on the bridge every now and then. Uh, you just kind of see them, it, or you just see the bed. But I think it's implied that it's supposed to them, and they've been making the sex. <laughs> I'm making the sex. 
And then finally, Viral has a family. And I'm not going to lie. Every time I see this, this moment, especially now, now that I have one myself, and he makes the choice to leave that family, I get a little choked up. I did too until the last minute when he was like, Oh, thank God, essentially. Like, he pretty much makes a joke like, oh, God, this was boring and terrible. I am glad I'm getting away from this bullshit. Um, right. Fair up enough. Up until that moment, I was I was feeling a little feels, too. But I'm like, oh, way to ruin it. Yeah. Well, yeah. so we get that, and then we cut to Nia. And looks like time's up so for her good. because the Annie Spiral so has begun to take her apart. Yeah. Kill her. Yeah, it's, Delete it's pretty... Her. Bill. It's pretty horrifying. Bill. Yes. We're deleting her. This isn't that wonderful. <laughs> eating oh deleting. I thought you said eating her. No, yeah. delete <laughs> No, no, he's deleting her. <laughs> Damn it. No, they're deleting De- her. Delete. Delete. <laughs> delete. Yes, that is wonderful. Ah. There you. it is. There it is. But she doesn't fully get deleted. In fact, she notices that her ring begins pulsating. And she pretty much knows what's going on. She aims the ring at the Annie Sparrow, which then the ring gives birth to Gurren Lagon. Because, <laughs> you know, Because anime. I mean, it's a really cool looking scene. And we get the really cool reveal of Simon coming out of the cockpit. And he's all like, hi, Nia, I'm here. But it's pretty much it's giving birth to Gurren Lagann because it pops out head first. And we've seen that before. I mean, you have. And that's the episode. That is. That's it. Uh, So that was episode 26. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on the episode? I really like this episode. The first half, yeah, it has the bonker shit, which, as I said, I've kind of checked out on the whole logic train for the most part. Um, and just riding the ride at this point. So the earlier bits are pretty crazy, uh, but a lot of fun to watch when you just kind of leave it at that to just watch it. It's crazy, cool, fun stuff. The latter half with the uh, perceived realities and the nefariousness of the uh, anti spirals was a really cool moment. And I think really the big standout moment for the episode itself, because we see these alternate realities and these what if scenarios of what could have been possibly. And I really enjoy that. Yeah, I will agree. I like this episode a lot. Um, I have problems with it. As I have stated, there were some interesting and just bonkers choices that I think could have been handled in a with a much more deft hand, but um, then it wouldn't be Gurren Lagann. So it's, it's the last three episodes have been good. Um, we have one left, and spoiler, I've seen it, and I've got feelings. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about those feelings, because I, I get the, to be the lucky one to finish our reviews. He has been playing this close to the chest. I've been trying to probe him all day about it, but he has just, he has kept it tight. I have feelings. <laughs> I always like Phrasing? it tight. Um, so, Bill, what do, you, what do you think of this episode of Gurren Lagann? You know, by the time I got here, I, Josh said it. I don't think he's said it the way he meant it, but uh, I've kind of checked out on it. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I'm past emotion. I'm past plot. I'm, I just, this was a slog to just finish it. 
I'm not surprised. Actually, um, it, it was kind of funny. Uh, super uh, a couple months back, Superman uh, fan Matt uh, was hitting me up because we were getting to the the second arc of the series, and he was really impressed with your guys's take. And goes, "So, do you think the guys are going to enjoy the end of the series?" I go, "No, the end of the series, Bill's going to hate it. He is just going to be done with it." And that's exactly what we have here. Yes. Yep. I am just done. That's why Bill has spent pretty much the whole time playing with toys. Uh, we are remote again. I didn't even mention that at the top of the episode. We're all uh, recording from our respective homes once more. But don't worry, we'll be back in the uh, Tuning Japanese studios next week for our finale of Gurren Lagann, uh, which is going to be episode 27, The Lights in the Sky are Stars. Odd title. Can't wait. I can't wait. Also, I got surprises. All right. Like literal surprises for the two of you. That sounds ominous. Um, hopefully it'll be a hand job to help me get through this. You're, you're going to like it. Trust me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I hope so. It's going to be sensational. Well, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to wear my sexy underwear. Um, so that about does it for this episode. Unless anyone else has anything to add. Nope. I'm good. Take us out, Bill. This has been Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. And this has been a thousand-year-old doldrum. I'm Bill. Oh, I'm finally using words that you all understand. I'm Josh. And I'm over here manipulating probability. I'm Andy. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. I already wore my sexy underwear. Thanks for listening to Tuning Japanese. For more information, visit our website, tuningjapanese.com, like our Facebook at facebook.com slash tuningjapanese, and follow our Twitter at tuningjapanese. You can also get a hold of the show by sending us an email at tuningjapanese at gmail.com. Please help support the show by going to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can also go to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese to get all kinds of bonus content and help support the show monetarily. Tuning Japanese is part of the Questionable Endeavor Network. For more information on other podcasts and articles, check out questandnetwork.com. While you're there, check out other great shows like The Shadowbane Podcast, The Rundown Wrestling Podcast, Home Stars, Slasher Sanitarium, Raw Attitude Podcast, New Blood Rising, The Reanimator Podcast, Taco Tuesday Podcast, Nerd Control, and our newest show, Hairless Pretenders. Simon? You lose your drill? Too bad. There's another bro here. Dumbass! The reputation of Team Gurren echoes far and wide. Its badass leader, a man of spirit, a paragon of total masculinity. As if there could be more than one of the mighty Kamina. But, well, there's two of you here. Exactly. Pick the one you want. But that's crazy, bro. Hey, don't you remember you were the method to my madness? The one who made all my big talk more than words? Your drill ought to be totally different from that pebble over there. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Your drill is right here. You can't keep wasting time in this place forever. What's that drill of yours meant to do? Is it 
Really, you? What are you doing? <laughs> Get your ass down here and start bowing. Bow and beg and grovel on your knees, and just pretend to apologize to them. If they let us go, my... we can always come up with something else. Look, just keep your heads down and apologize. My drill... My drill is... My drill... is... The drill that's gonna pierce the heavens!